Hello, friends. Welcome to Emmanuel Cares, a podcast of Emmanuel Lutheran Church of Shirley, Wisconsin. I'm Pastor Dave Rudot. Today, our sermon is from Matthew chapter 16, reading verses 13 to 20, where Jesus encourages us to confess Christ clearly. Let's join the worshipers on August 27, 2023. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God's word for today, from Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but you, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it, overpower it. But I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. This is God's word. I invite you to pray with me. Direct us now, O gracious Lord, to hear aright your holy word. Assist your minister to preach, and let the Holy Spirit teach. And let eternal life be found by all who hear the gospel sound. Amen. I'm a pretty easygoing guy but there are some things that annoy me. I've got a couple of pet peeves. I'd like to share one with you. I'll even say you can have this pet peeve too. This is, I don't know how many pet peeves you have, but do you have room for one more? This is the pet peeve. And this is not just a pet peeve that originated with me, that I'm the only one that has it. This is actually a pet peeve that Jesus has in our gospel lesson for today. And the pet peeve is this, is what it sounds like fingernails on a chalkboard. Someone says, but they believe in God. Whether that's like an organization, they believe in God, so they're somehow okay. Or an individual, but they believe in God, so somehow they're okay. That somehow they're on the same wavelength as you are. Big, it comes up in elections. But that politician believes in God, so therefore they believe the same things that I do. But they believe in God. Fingernails on the chalkboard. Today, Jesus reveals to us his pet peeve that people do not confess Christ clearly. And so he is encouraging his disciples and he is encouraging us that we also would confess Christ clearly. Know exactly the content of what we are confessing, where that confession comes from, and the result that happens in our life when we are confessing Christ clearly. Our text takes us to Caesarea Philippi. We're in the land of Galilee again. Jesus asked his disciples a question, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, of course, Jesus knows the answer 
He knows what people are thinking. He is God. He is using this as a teachable moment for his disciples so that they would wrestle with what did people say about who Jesus is and what do they believe Jesus is. And their answers are interesting. They say, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Now, we can kind of see the similarities between Jesus and, say, John the Baptist. John the Baptist's message of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus had the same exact message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. When Jesus sent out his disciples on their first missionary trip, what did he tell them? Go tell the people, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Same exact message. He and John the Baptist sounded a lot alike. Elijah... Look at Elijah in in the Old Testament. We've been looking at Elijah for the last couple of weeks. You can listen to it on the podcast if you want to catch up. Elijah was one of those who was faithful to God and his word, listened to his word. He also stood up to authority to Ahab and Jezebel. Jesus was not afraid to stand up to authority and to say to them, you're wrong, whether it's the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, that's the moral authority over God's people, or whether it was Herod trying to chase him down, and Jesus says to, to them, you go tell that fox, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there, and, and all those things. Jesus is not afraid to be like Elijah that way and to proclaim God's word faithfully. Now, Jeremiah is interesting I had to do some digging on Jeremiah because I was like, why would people think that Jesus was Jeremiah? And yeah, Jeremiah was a message of repentance, repent because God's going to come. But there's a legend that I didn't know about. There's a legend that Jeremiah hid the Ark of the Covenant. And then there was a legend that Jeremiah was going to come back when the people had everything figured out and he was going to point to where the Ark of the Covenant was, and they were going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, and and then the Messiah would come after that. So Jeremiah is also one of these, you know, pivotal moments, but it was not in Scripture. Elijah was in Scripture. Malachi, last chapter, says Elijah's coming first, then the Messiah. But Jeremiah was not. This is all kind of legend. So if you want to, you know, put it on the scale between Jeremiah and the Ark of the Covenant and Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant, they're probably about the same as most as to which one is more plausible. They're both, it's not true, but it was a legend. And that's what people thought, what they could have thought about Jeremiah. But the pattern of all of the people, of all of these confessions about Jesus, is that Jesus was not the Savior. He was not the Messiah, but the one leading up to the Messiah. John the Baptist was not the Christ. He himself said he wasn't the Christ. Elijah was not the Christ. Malachi says he's coming first. Jeremiah never said he was the Christ. So in all of these confessions about Jesus, Jesus isn't the Savior, but the one leading up to the Savior. He was good, but not good enough. Now, if you were to ask people today about what they thought about Jesus you will find that same spirit, that Jesus is good, but not good enough. They'll say, yeah, I heard about Jesus in Sunday school, confirmation, and church, 
But he, the real path to true peace is something else. Meditation or some yoga pose or some, some phrase that they're going to say over and over, or some prayer they're going to do. There's always this adding to Jesus. Like Jesus isn't the only thing. He is the thing that leads to something else that's better. That that's where you find peace. That's where you find a true connection to God. So you find that same spirit today. I believe in Jesus, but. Or you look at Jesus, and it's kind of the same thing, but you look at Jesus as an example. You look at all of the humanitarian effort that Jesus did. He healed the sick, and he uh, was helping those who were poor. Jesus did all this, but, but we, can, we can do more. He is a fine example for all of us to follow. He's an honorable man who is willing to die for his cause. He's good, but we can do better. Same spirit, back in Jesus' day. And it's wrong. Jesus isn't leading up to something better. The, the peace with God, a close connection with God, isn't found anywhere else other than in Christ. He's not an example for us to follow. He is our Savior who saves us from ourselves who can never do enough. So if you find yourself saying Jesus is good, but, or Jesus gives me an example, that is not a clear confession of Christ. That's the same spirit that says, Jesus, you're good. Just not good enough. There's something more. Now, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Awesome words. The Christ, the anointed one, the one sent from God to save humanity, the one that God promised Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm going to send this one who's going to crush Satan's head, that one, the anointed one, the Savior. He said, you are not only just the one sent by God, but you are the son of the living God, the God who isn't there in the past and he's done with his work and retired and went off to his cabin up north. No, this is a God who is alive right now, the living God who is active in this world. His son is here. Yeah, although the disciples had misunderstandings about the work of Christ, They still confess this beautiful truth. Jesus is the one who was sent. The very Son of God. You and I also have come to know Jesus as the disciples did. From our study of the Bible, from our Sunday worship services, from our Sunday schools, from confirmation, we've come to the realization that Christ Jesus is more than just a mere man. He is the very Son of God. That's the confession we make as a group when we confess the Nicene Creed, which we'll do next week. We'll say that Jesus is the one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, 
begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. Now, we did not come to this confession on our own. Peter did not come to this confession on their own. That's why Jesus didn't want his disciples going around blabbering about and saying, Jesus is the Christ. He wanted people to come to that realization on their own by the the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is hiding himself in his work and in his word so that the Holy Spirit will lead people to that conclusion that this man who is walking among them, who is eating food just like they are, this person who looks just like everybody else, is something more. The anointed one, the Christ, the Savior, the Son of the living God. We say that in our Luther's explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. We say, I believe that I cannot by my own thinking or choosing believe in my Lord Jesus Christ or come to him. But the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, has called me by the gospel. It is only through the word of God, and his word used through other means like water, that we come to know Jesus as who he really is, the anointed one. That's the source of our confession. God working that in your heart and in mine through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a cool result of that confession. And Jesus uh, talks about that. He says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. These words of Jesus to Peter are taken by the Roman Catholic Church to mean that Jesus has built his church upon the faith of Peter. You see, Peter was the leader of the church in Rome. The leader of the church in Rome now is the Pope. So therefore, he, we have this succession of lines of leaders of the, of the church in Rome has been gone all the way back to Peter, and therefore the Pope is the foundation of the church. But if that were the case... If Christ built his church upon the faith of Peter, it would be built on a very weak foundation. The faith of any individual is a vacillating thing. One moment we may be strong and be able to withstand temptation. The next moment it may be weak and be easily overcome by temptation. Peter's faith was that way. He had this bold confession of faith, but we just heard a couple of weeks ago that Peter boldly walked on water, but then at the same, that same storm... He panicked and cried out to Jesus, save me, his faith, which was strong, which enabled him to do amazing things because of that promise of Jesus withered away and evaporated in an instant when he saw the waves and freaked out. Peter made a bold confession of faith on Pentecost. But he also had to be called out by the apostle Paul when Peter, when the Jews came into, the, in, in, into a room and Peter suddenly got racist and started to see Jews and Gentiles as two different groups, and Paul had to call him out on that and say, no, in the gospel, we're all the same. We're all one people. The foundation on which Christ built his church is not the faith of Peter and not Peter the individual, but on his confession. And we've talked about this oftentimes in Bible class, how, how, how Jesus uses uh, the term Peter, which means rock. And then he 
He uses a different form, a different gender to, to describe, on this rock I will build my church. This is the confession that Peter gave, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This confession of Peter is the foundation on which Christ builds his church. That foundation is so strong that nothing, not even hell itself, can overcome it. Hell will not win the final victory over the church. The devil and his followers may get a, win a few battles here or there, but the final victory will belong to the church. There still will be, when Jesus comes again, there will still be people saying, that Jesus isn't just a good example, or that he was a good man, but we've got something better. But there will still be people saying, Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. There is no one higher than him. There is no other savior other than him. That he is the son of the living God. He isn't just a human being, but he is more than that, God and man and the human flesh. There will still be people confessing that when Jesus comes again. That's the foundation, the bedrock of the church of Christ. Now, it isn't just people confessing that Jesus is the Christ, but, Jesus, but God's people also convey what that means, that Jesus is the Savior. There are God's people also conveying the peace that we have with God because Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God the peace that we have with God because Jesus lived a perfect life for us and died on the cross for us. And because he lived and died and rose again, we have the assurance that our sins are indeed forgiven, that we have peace with God because Jesus is the Christ, the Savior. And Jesus gives that wonderful reminder in something we call the office of the keys, the ability to forgive sins or not to forgive sins. And that is what the church has. And you've heard about, you're probably thinking of this other pet peeve I have. When people say, I'm sorry, and what do we say in response? Well, it's okay. We have this beautiful thing that we can share with each other. Peace with God, by saying to them, I forgive you. Jesus forgives you. You have peace with God because Jesus is the Christ. He is the Savior, the Son of the living God. That's a comfort our world is, 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 needs to hear. Of forgiveness through Jesus and what he has done. Jesus encourages us today to make sure that we confess him clearly. That we don't just believe in God, but we believe in a God who sent his son to live in our place, to die in our place, rose again, being the first fruits of those who would rise again, so that we would have the assurance that our sins are indeed forgiven. That's more than just saying, I believe in God, isn't it? 
That is an assurance and a peace that is found nowhere else except in Christ Jesus. A peace with God. A peace that we confess. Amen. Thank you for joining us today here on Emmanuel Cares, the podcast. We encourage you to find out more about us on our webpage at emmanuelshirley.com. There's Bible connections. There's a podcast called Casting Nets. There's opportunities for you to get involved to help us to be a country church that cares. Emmanuel means God with us. When you leave today knowing that your God is with you because he cares for you.